Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Second Samuel 16 and verse 5, the Bible states these words. And when King David came to Behurim, behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. He came forth and cursed still as he came, and he cast stones at David, and all the servants of King David and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And thus said Shimei when he cursed, Come out, come out, thou bloody man and thou man of Belial. The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose stead thou hast reigned. And the Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son. Behold, thou art taken in thy mischief because thou art a bloody man. Then said Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, unto the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. The king said, What have I to do with you, ye sons of Zeruiah? So let them curse, because the Lord hath said unto him, Curse David, who shall then say, Wherefore hast thou done so? And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my son, which came forth of my bowels, seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamite do it? Let him alone, let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. It may be that the Lord will look on my affliction and that the Lord will requip me for requip me good for his cursing this day and as David and his men went by the way Shimei went along on the hillside over against him and cursed as he went and threw stones at him and cast dust and the king and all the people that were with him came weary and refreshed themselves there amen and Absalom and all the people the men of Israel came to Jerusalem and Ahithophel with him and I'll stop right there. Should have really stopped at verse number 14. Amen. This morning, I just want to talk to us for a little bit about that subject matter of let them curse. Let them curse. If you can join with me today, we'll go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to help us for the next few moments. Amen. In this Sunday morning service. Father, I love you. God, I appreciate you. I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, enlighten our hearts and our minds. Give us, Lord Jesus, guidance and direction, God, through your word. Today, it is forever settled. The grass may wither and the flower may fade, but your word will stand forever. It will not return until you void. It will do that which was sent to accomplish, Lord, in the lives of your people. I pray, oh, Lord, today, God, continue to move upon the lives of those that are sick today. We pray, Lord, dispatch your healings and your word and heal them. God, and we'll be grateful, Lord Jesus, for what you do and accomplish, Lord, in their lives. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, Amen and amen. The church say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. Let them curse. Let them curse. The book of 2 Samuel, the book of 2 Samuel, the first half of the book of 2 Samuel is, is filled with many, many triumphs that David had in his life. Many triumphs. 
and times that he was very successful and had overcome in about the first 10 chapters of 2 Samuel. But those times of triumphs are very soon, they dissipate and fade away because they are followed by some very dark overtones of trouble that comes in the latter portion of 2 Samuel and some experiences in David's life that were not triumphant, so to speak. And so the storyline of David's achievements in the first half of this book begin with him being made king over Judah and at another time over the whole house of Israel, which is a very notable thing, a great triumph that he could check off his bucket list, so to speak, would be when he was instrumental in bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to the temple and we understand the celebration that took place with that but also he told to his dearest friend Jonathan which was Saul's son before they were ever taken in battle and died he had made a pact with Jonathan and told him Jonathan if you go before I do or I before you let us make this pact that we will show kindness to the individual families our individual families if you are to go I'll show kindness to your family and if I am to go please show kindness to mine and David in the scripture of those first 10 chapters made good on that pact and that promise he made to Jonathan although he was already dead and cold in the ground with regards to a boy by the name of Mephibosheth so this is another triumph a high watermark for David and not even recounting all the various conquests that David did at this time and came forth victorious. But as it would be, it would be in the latter portion, trouble would find David and trouble would mount upon trouble, especially in chapter 11 after David had committed his sin with Bathsheba in the act of adultery. And there were some very negative happenings that followed being his sin with Bathsheba and the adultery that he committed. Whether these negative things that came in David's life, they were either directly or indirectly uh, related to what happened in chapter 11. He had the murder of Uriah that he committed. He has the death of his child that was born by Bathsheba that comes about. His son rapes his daughter Tamar which is Ammon's half sister Absalom then upset because of Ammon having done this murders his brother Ammon and so the plot just thickens with trouble and problems and then Absalom his other son uh, usurps his own father's throne and wants to take the kingship from his dad and so we're talking about it started really good in 2 Samuel there's triumphs and very 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 positive things happening but we get to the second portion man it is like they have crest the hill and it's downhill from there there's bad there's murder there's rape there's death there's all these things that are taking place but I think it's important to denote that many of the problems that surrounded David's life stemmed from his one moment of indiscretion. And although many of them were from that, not all of them were from that. After David's son Absalom had won the hearts of the people of Israel and he wittingly, no doubt, the Bible declares to us, deceived his father with his ingenious plan of being a self-proclaimed king in the stead of his father. But the Bible says whenever David learned of Absalom's actions, he wasn't going to stand there and fight, wasn't going to stand there and get an army together, sacrifice himself or his servants or the city of Jerusalem. 
the Bible says that whenever David learned of all of this, that David and several of his servants within his kingdom, that they withdrew from that holy city of Jerusalem to leave it intact and the people intact. And so as David is leaving Jerusalem and he's continuing on his journey away from that holy city of Jerusalem, he finds as he's leaving, he is met both with supporters that support him as king, that support him in his role of kingship, but he is also, he is also affronted with some opposers. He has supporters and opposers. And so if we were to take the story that I read in your hearing this morning of uh, 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 Shimei and David, and if we were to isolate that story all by itself, we would think how unfortunate that David was, that he was subjected to such treatment by this man, Shimei. But the reality is not only was David opposed when he left Jerusalem, but he also had some support. People that were vowing their loyalty to him and their friendship and their favor toward David. But it just so happens that this man Shimei is one of his opposers. And he and David have some interaction here as David has left Jerusalem and approaching the city of Behurim, the Bible says. And that is the focus of our subject matter for this morning. The Bible says as David is getting near or close to this city of Behurim, that this man by the name of Shimei comes out. David has an entourage of people about him. He has servants. He has men there and soldiers there that's on his left hand and on his right hand as a king would do whenever he would be in travel. He'd have an entourage around him. But Shimei come out with clenched fists, so to speak, throwing dirt, throwing stones, and cursing at this king that, whose throne has just been usurped. And he's making accusations toward David. He's not treating David very kindly at all. And we understand that he might have a little bit of a burr in his saddle. Amen. Uh, the stones and the dirt and the cursings would be enough to solidify that. But along with that, Shimei comes from the house of Saul. And it was David that came in the stead of Saul. Saul served in the kingdom for about 40 years, but he was no longer going to be able to serve in that capacity because of his disobedience to the Lord. And so here comes David, the chosen of God, to take his place. So Shimei is a little upset because David is the one that took the place of Saul and Shimei is from the house of Saul. And Shimei had a little bit of a social status, if you will, whenever one of his household. Uh, was king and King Saul was in rule and in reign but now that he was not and David is in rule and reign he lost a little bit of his social status in life so he's a little upset uh, concerning that and he's casting stones at David uh, that's surrounded by that loyalty surrounded by that favor and friendship of the people that he is over this entourage and he comes out proclaiming David you're a bloody man now those words are absolutely true David had been a man of war David had shed much blood, but not in the respect that Shimei is speaking of. He's saying, you're, you're a bloody man. You're the reason, he was basically saying, you're the reason why Saul and Jonathan, all of those, you're the reason why that they are dead today. Well, that wasn't the case at all. That wasn't the case. David wasn't responsible for the death of Saul or the death of Jonathan. And so Shimei, in his moment of anger and outrage, he's going a little further than what he needs to go, calling David a bloody man, trying to pin the death of Saul and the, the death of Jonathan upon him. And to add insult to injury, he says, you're a son of Belial. 
which means you're, you're a worthless man. You're a son of a worthless man. Those are some strong words to be called a son of Belial in the Old Testament. He basically told him in verse 8, Shimei, he's doing this. Now, you got to understand, this guy has to be one French fry short of a Happy Meal because he's doing all of this with all of this army of David around about him. At any time, David snaps the fingers, gives the words, and this is said and done. One man against a group. Now, come on. So he's, I don't, you know, whenever you get to a moment of anger and madness all rationality goes outside and so here he is he's saying you're you're, you're a wicked man you're a worthless man and he tells David basically in verse 8 you're getting what you deserve now those are some strong words you're getting what you deserve well one of the entourage there had had enough this is their king they, they are going pledged with their lives for the protection of the king. It kind of leans over to David, Abishai does, and says, David, why in the world are you letting this dead dog even talk? Why don't you allow me to cross over the ravine here and I'll take his head off and we can just go on. I can settle this issue right now. He's there cursing you. He's telling you that you're a worthless man, saying you're responsible for the death of Saul. He's saying that you're getting what you deserve because your son usurped your throne. He's saying all these horrible things concerning you and about you. And he says, why don't you just allow me to go over there and cut off his head? David says, no. What, what do I have to do if you son is Orion? We, we can't do this. No, I'm not going to allow you to go over there and cut off his head. I know everything he's saying, and I, I, I know that there are elements of untruth and things that he's saying, but he said in verse 10, he said, why don't you just let him curse? Now, if I was King David, I'd say, Zariah, go at it, boy. But I'm not probably thankful that I'm not. But David says, why don't you just go on and let him curse? curse now there's something interesting in all of this today how in the world can a man allow another man to ridicule him speak untruths about him tell him that what's happening to him in his life is what he deserved call him worthless have the position of being king and have all these things laid upon you and be able to say just let him say what he's saying as a matter of fact, David even said, hey, my own son's trying to take my throne. And if my own son is coming against me, then surely I should be able to let this man, Shimei, be coming against me. I mean, if my own son has a hand raised against me, then I would seem to be expect that somebody else that's not even that close or related to me is going to have some type of idea and want to come against me. So if Absalom can do it, then go on and let Shimei go on and curse. Amen. And so David is in a very special place here to be able to allow such things. And the question that I really want us to consider this morning is how can he allow this in his life? As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us in the closing verses that I read to you this morning that the king and his people and his entourage and David himself in verse number 14 that they all that were with them came weary and refreshed themselves there and that there is indicating Behurim from which Shimei was from. They all went to the place where the man who was cursing them was from and they were refreshed. Right. How in the world? I mean, the last thing that I'm going to do on my list 
is want to go to the home of somebody that's ridiculing me. Seriously. I mean, somebody calling me worthless, I'm not like, hey, I'm coming over. You know, good scoundrel, you get what you deserve. Can I drop by? It just doesn't make sense. How, David, can you do this? How can you accomplish this in your life? The others around you seem to, and through a human stamp, they're seeing it clearly. Take the man's head off and be done. This man is cursing you to no, no end. But David says, just let him curse. I think we can garner a little bit of understanding from one of David's writings of the Psalms. In David's writing of Psalm 109, not necessarily a psalm that was written directly during this time period, but David, if you read Psalms 109, he is expressing to the Lord in prayer about all of the problems and conflict that's come upon him in his life whether it was during the time of Absalom or other conflicts. He's telling God, God, I've been through a lot of things. There's been a lot of people's hands that have come up against me. There's been a lot of hatred that has been spewed out against me. And I have many, many adversaries that are all around me. It seems like it's my lot in life that wicked men would be set against me. And so he's praying to the Lord. Here's something that David does. And he, he takes no doubt, New Testament scripture bears this out probably for us. The Bible says that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Meaning that the vengeance doesn't belong to us, but the vengeance belongs unto the Lord. And so David in this part of his life was doing that. He was de deferring to the Lord. God, I'm not taking vengeance in my own hands. I'm not sending the Bishai over. There's wickedness, there's mistrust, there's all this going on. But I'm not taking vengeance in my hands. So what does he do with all of his conflict? What does he do with all this that's laying upon him? He turns an about face toward God and begins a prayer. God, you see the wickedness that's come upon me. You see the hardship. You see all the words, the spewing of the mouths. God, I'm making a solemn prayer to you because I, vengeance is not mine. It belongs to you. And if you read Psalms 109, you would think, man, David, I tell you what, he could, if, if God would let him loose with some vengeance, he could probably do something because he's kind of laying some hints to God. God, if you want to make them unproductive, if you want, you know, he's kind of laying some light. God, if you would, wouldn't mind doing something, some of that I'd be okay with it and he's laying all these things before the Lord Lord if you just do this and do that do this for me and that for me I can't do it but you can do the vengeance and he begins to tell God he says God here's some reasons why you can do it and this is important he doesn't approach God and say God you could do some of these things because I'm such a good person to you that's not David's approach. David doesn't approach and say, God, I, I've read my Bible all this week and I fasted twice and, and, and I was at church early. He didn't give his list and say, as a result of all this, I scratched your back. You scratch mine. That's not what David's approach to God. Whenever David approached God with all of this headache and this wickedness, he says, Lord, but do thou for me, he said in verse 21 of Psalms 109. Why? He said, for thy name's sake. God, don't do, don't, do it, don't do it for me, but for your name's sake. Do it for your name's sake. And he said, God, your mercy is good. Do it because your mercy is good. God, God, do it, do it that they might know that this is your hand and not the hand of man. So David didn't come to the Lord saying, I'm good and I'm this and I've done this and that. And so, Lord, if I'm doing all this for you, then you have to. No, no, no. He said, just, just, just be who you are because you're good for your name's sake, because you're the great mighty one. I think sometimes we might approach our prayers a little differently. 
we're trying to do the trade-off. God, I've been really good this year. It's like sitting in front of Santa Claus, you know. I've been really good this year. Yes, sir. Just let it come on. No, no, no. What we need to do is not tell him how good we have been, but how good he is. Come on. That's right. Yeah. Come on, if you'll note in the Bible, whenever Lazarus died, Whenever Lazarus died and there was word sent to Jesus concerning the death of Lazarus, or his sickness rather, and the Bible says Jesus waited three, three days, three or four days before he ever went to go to see where, what Lazarus, what was going on. In other words, the moment they said that he was sick, he didn't go. He waited three or four days, I can't remember exact number, and, and then went to check on Lazarus. They said if you'd been here, he would have been dead. And if you know, listen to me, if you know, the way that they approached him whenever they told him about the sickness of Lazarus was this. They did not say, hey, the one that is sick, the one that loves you, the one that loves you, Lazarus loved him, he was a friend to him, the one that loves you and adores you is sick. That's not how they approached the Lord. If you read the scripture, the Bible says, they said the one Lord you love, the one you love is sick. Not that the one that loves you is sick, but the one you love. See, that changes everything. The wording of the prayer changes everything. Not the one who loves you is sick, but the one you love is sick. That was kind of David's uh, approach. It's not, God, I've been loving on you, and so all this should be done because of my love toward you. No, God, all of this should be done because you have an undying love that is toward me. You have an appreciation and a compassion that is toward me, and you're protecting your name, and you're showing your mercy is good, and you're letting your people know this is because of your hand. So David's dropping all these lines, what should be done, what ought to be done. He even states in Psalms 109 how there were people even in his lifetime more than just one time that were cursing and they loved cursing and so they would come to him and they would not delight in blessing, the Bible says, but they would just curse and they would curse and they would just speak all types of things. It was though they were clothed, he could describe, he said it was like they were clothed in a garment of cursing and that's all their life was. But this is what David said though in the scripture of Psalms 109 and verse 28. Amen. To mirror what he did with Shimei. He said Lord I've had a lot of cursing I've had a lot of spewing. I've had a lot of headache. I've had a lot of wickedness but here were David's words. He said Lord let them curse in verse 28. He said but bless thou. You know what David was saying? David was saying this. Lord, they can go on and curse and speak their words. They can call me worthless. They can tell me I'm getting what I deserve. They can tell me I'm a fool. I'm an enemy. I'm a no good. They can do all they want to do. God, you go and let them say what they want to say and curse how they want to curse. But bless thou. In other words, bless thou me. David was saying this. Man can curse all he wants to as long as I got the blessing of God because God's blessing is greater than the curse of any man. No, somebody listen to me this morning. We sometimes walk with our shoulders down and our heads down because of the curse and the accusations of men and women that try to dictate our lives and our responses in this life. But you need to square your shoulders back. Don't try to go put out that fire. Just go on and let them curse because if the blessing of God is on your life, the blessing of God trumps the curse of man any day. So I understand then how David could say, Abishai, 
Don't go over there and cut his head off. You go on and just let him curse. How can you do that, David? Because he's walking in confidence. Because I'm blessed of God. It doesn't matter what he's really saying. It can just be like water off of old duck's back, so to speak. Amen. He can say whatever he wants to say. But I know that I know that I'm blessed of God. I remember before I ever went out on the battle in Elah in the valley with Goliath. I know that I know when I was at my father's house and he came and got me from the field and Samuel took the horn of anointing and he put it over my head and it went down me and the spirit of God came upon me. I knew at that moment in time I was blessed of God and I've faced a lot since then and I'm gonna face a lot from there. But I'm telling you right now, you go on and let them curse because I remember I'm blessed of God. Someone say amen. I don't mind the, the curse of others as long as I had the blessing of God. Because God's blessing, again, trumps the curse of man. And so in Psalm 29, he's not just, he's not honing in on one situation, but he's honing in on situations, circumstances, a lot of bad and he says, just go on and let them do it. But just bless thou. Just bless me. Because when I put man's cursing and God's blessing in the balance, God's blessing outweighs the curse of men. How could David go to the place from which the cursing was coming from? and find refreshment for him and his men that were weary. How could you go and rest and dwell in a place of cursing and be at ease of mind and peace? Because you rely upon the blessing. You rely upon the blessing of the Lord. For that matter, this morning, I pose this question to us today. Is it even possible to curse the person that God has blessed. Huh? Because the Bible says there is a king by the name of Balak who took in consideration the children of Israel. This king was the king of Moab. He wanted by some way, some fashion for somebody, a prophet, somebody to curse God's people to curse the Israelites. He found him a man by the name of Balaam. He tried to intertwine Balaam to the place, hey, I need you to come and curse the Israel of God, the children of God for me. Balaam at first says, no, no, I can't do this until he got the okay with the Lord to go. He said, well, listen here, Balak, all I can tell you is I can only say what God wants me to say. I can only say what God would have for me to say and nothing more. I, I can't put words in my mouth that you want in my mouth. I can only say what God wants me to say. And so whenever he went to the children of Israel, and this happened three times, whenever he went at different mountain peaks that he went on to see the whole host of Israel and he was gonna try to do what Balak wanted him to do and that was curse God's people. If I can say it like this, he was wanting him to curse something God had already blessed. Oh yeah, 
Because back in Genesis 12, whenever God made his covenant with Abraham, he said, Abraham, he said, whoever blesses you, I will bless. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And he says, from you and your descendants, you're gonna be a blessing to all people and all nations. That was the blessing put upon Israel all the way back at Genesis chapter number 12. And now here is a Moabite king that wants a man to come up and put a curse on something God has already blessed. And you know what the the recall, you know what the response of Balaam was to that Moabite king? He said, thou shalt not go up with them. Thou shalt not curse the people for they are blessed. Balaam says, you're asking me to do something impossible. You cannot curse something God's own. You cannot possibly curse something that God has already blessed and put his handprint upon and put his blessing upon. You're asking for an impossibility. I can't speak against them when God has already spoke for them. It'll have no weight. Someone say amen. Oh, he could speak it. But it's impact. Its impact would have been nil, void, incapable of being done. Shimei, let him curse. David was confident because I've already been blessed of God. Whenever God had the children of Israel come to the Mount of Jerizim and Ebal, where they went into the promised land, It was a mountain of cursing, the Bible says, and a mountain of blessing. They read from the mountain of cursing all the curses that would come upon the children of Israel if they were not, if they were disobedient. Then from the mountain of blessing, all the blessings were pronounced upon them if they were obedient. And so God's people could receive the blessing of God upon their life by virtue of their obedience and keep that, maintain it, and safeguard it. And as long as they remained uh, submitted to God, the blessing would be upon their life. And it didn't matter what cursing would come against them because they had been blessed of God. Balaam told Balak in Numbers 23 and 8, he said, listen, hero boy, let me tell you what you're trying to ask me to do. And he asked him this question, trying to get him to think. He says, how shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? How can I curse what God has not cursed? Listen, folks, we're wringing our hands and shaking our knees sometimes because of the accusations and the cursings of the adversary. Get your home, get your family, get your personal self. But the question that I ask is this, how can he curse if God hasn't done the cursing? Why? Because he messes with the mind, don't he? And we think he has more power and more influence in our life than what he really has. But if God hasn't done the cursing and only has pronounced a blessing, then he can curse from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. And it will have no impact, no effect. He might get in your mind, but you need to just put that aside. You need to walk in the authority and the power knowing you've been blessed of God. I've been blessed of God. When he comes with his accusations, tell him, go on and curse because I've been blessed of God. I've had the oil of the spirit applied to my life. Oh, you're not going to make it. You're going you're, you're to leave. You're, this is going to happen. No, 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 no. Go on and curse. I've been blessed of God. How can you curse what God has not cursed? How can you curse what God has blessed? Yeah. 
Israel. Man, they had their valleys, yes. But you know what? There always came out on the other side a remnant of people to go on. Another, another problem, another battle, whatever. There's always a remnant. There's always a group. There's always a nugget of that blessing that continues that God has his hand upon. If you'll even notice, this was first tried, probably, probably first tried in David's own life shortly after he had that horn of an oil that was poured upon his head by Samuel. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 17 and verse 43, Brother James, I don't know if you can get that for me, but 1 Samuel 17 and verse 43, it tells us really the first occurrence of David having dealt with the cursing, if you will, of a person that came after his blessing from the Lord. The Bible states these words, and I'll get it for us today. 1 Samuel 17 and verse 43, this is the story of David and Goliath that should be familiar to some the Bible says this in verse number 43 he says and let me back up so we can get a little feel about where we're at and when the Philistine now look at verse 42 and when the Philistine looked about and saw David whenever Goliath saw David he disdained him for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance and the Philistine Goliath that is said unto David am I a dog that thou comest to me with stays. Now look what the Bible says. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Goliath with the multiplicity of gods that he served, he was using his so-called spiritual entourage, the false deities, and said, David, by the authority and the power of my gods, some cloud. By the authority and power of my gods, I curse you. Modern day trying to throw an old hex on the old boy. I curse you, David, by the power and the authority of my gods. Now, David. David doesn't say this. David tells him he's going to come to him not with shield and sword but in the name of the Lord. But if I could say it like this this morning, while, while Goliath is coming with his threatenings and his defying and his cursings against David, I can see David saying, boy, you are just a few days too late because I've already been in the presence of the Almighty. I've already been in the presence of God. The oil has already touched my brow and his spirit has already come upon my life. You, are, you have showed up one dollar too short today buddy speak all the cursings you want from your gods upon my life because I've already been blessed by the God the one that is Lord of Lords King of Kings the great I am the first and the last the beginning and the end the Alpha and the Omega I've already been blessed by him and that is no competition for your menial gods your curse Goliath cannot compete with the blessing of God So just let him, just let him curse. Let him curse. Someone say amen. Just, just let him, let him curse. Because, because of the situation in the beginning of our Bibles, of Genesis 3 and the sin and the transgression Adam and Eve the Bible particularly tells us that 
the serpent was cursed tells us that the ground was cursed as I said I think several weeks ago then we look at the hardship and labor and sorrow for woman and bringing forth children Adam in the sweat of his brow because of the curse of the ground bringing meat and so in essence because of their disobedience man because of his disobedience brought a curse as it was or a consequence if you choose to rather say that upon themselves but the woman and the man if I might state it like this as a result of their own activity not continuing in that first law that God had given them that of every tree they can eat of but that which is in the midst of the garden they shall not eat of because of that and being no disobedient to that man in essence brought his own curse upon himself and so from the very beginning of time we are contending with a curse a man's curse upon man men man and men a curse from man upon humanity amen now i want you to understand something today whereas it is futile for a man to curse someone that's been blessed by god listen to me. it is not futile for god to endeavor bless someone that's had a curse of man and let me let me rewind and pass that by you one more time all right whereas it is futile meaning impossible for someone to curse a man to curse what god has blessed it's not necessarily impossible for god to bless something that has had a manly curse on it if someone listen to me right now and so from the beginning of time what we were dealing with is a curse of man upon humanity but if you put man's curse and God's blessing in a bag and you shake them up whether God's blessing came first or it was man's curse and you shake them up God's blessing will always supersede the Bible says in Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 10 for as many as are the works of the law are under the curse for as many are the works of the law are under the curse for it is written cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them in other words you don't keep the commands and the laws of God then you have a man you have a curse you brought a curse man has brought a curse upon himself and as long as you continue not to do them you have a man you have you have brought a curse upon yourself that's the reason why even just a few first verses further down in verse number 12 of that same chapter the Bible says the law is not of faith but that 
that man that doeth them shall live in them. Amen. But look now what the Bible says in verse number 13. This is important. God dealt with the curse of humanity. He dealt with the curse of man. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, if you will, being made a curse for us. For the Bible says, for it is written, curse is everyone that hangeth on a tree. In other words, whenever they went to that tree, the accusations, all the ordinances that were written against them, they were cursed by those things, cursed by the law. They had brought a curse upon themselves. Man had brought a curse upon himself by being disobedient to the law, just as it was all the way back in Eden. And for humanity is walking around with a curse upon them. But God says, I'm gonna send my son into the world and he's not gonna know sin, but he's gonna become sin. And he's gonna go to the tree and he's gonna become the curse. What are you doing, God? I'm gonna remove the curse so I can apply the blessing. I'm gonna do away with the curse so I can apply the blessing. Although they can curse all the blessed they want and it's to no avail. If God chooses to as he already has on Calvary, he can remove the curse of man and pronounce a blessing. A blessing upon that life. Uh-huh. You say, well, I'm cursed of God, Brother McGee. Hey, I understand. And I believe those are some very real things to contend with. I've seen it generationally in families as it would seem to be a curse as it would be upon families. Yes, curse. There's, I, I believe sometimes there are entertainment of curses, uh, of sicknesses upon families. And there are curses, if you will, of certain addictions that seem to get ingrained in families. And I know part and parcel that is because that's what they've been brought up with and so they've learned to adapt that into their own life. But I believe sometimes. Some of these things have been generational curses on families. I've even heard people tell me about trying to make any headway with God. Well, there's no use in me doing that because I'm cursed. I've heard it. There's no hope for me because generation and grandma and grandpa and great grandma and they go back through the family tree. This is what they've been. This is what we are. And this is what we always become. This is just who we are. We're cursed. There's no sense in making any headway. We're cursed. Somebody has sold them a bill of goods that God can't bless whenever they've had the curse of man upon their life. But I've come to destroy that opinion and that theory today. God has already removed a curse off their life through Calvary so he can place a blessing upon their life and if they'll be obedient to God and walk in the statutes and the commandments of God it doesn't matter whatever curse of man that would try to come against them if they walk in the blessing of God they're blessed of God Someone say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What David said? Never see me eyes saying all those things coming out of his mouth. He said, boys, let him curse. He said, it could be that the Lord will smile upon this affliction that has befell me this day. And look, and that the Lord will requit me. That's what the Bible says. That the Lord will requit me good for his cursing this day. 
You know what he's saying? He said, go and let him afflict and say what he wants because God just might requit. In other words, God just might turn this thing around and return to me good for the evil that's spewing from his mouth today. David, how do you know that? Because I'm blessed of God. Spirits of intimidation, and fear, and inferiority crouch around the peripheral of our spiritual lives to try to make headway, and they do real good in our minds. But you gotta, you gotta walk in the power and the authority and the understanding today. You know what you need to start doing when you raise up in the morning, the first time you see your face in your mirror, and if you don't look in the mirror in the morning. <laughs> I understand that for some folk. No. If you don't look at that. What you need to do is remind yourself when you wake up every new day, I'm blessed of God. I, I'm blessed of God. God's got his hand on me. Man, the, 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 the blessing he put upon the, the Israel vote in Genesis 12 is good for me of spiritual Israel of 2015, almost 16. If he'll curse whoever curses them, he has the ability to curse whoever is cursing them. If he'll. Why was it that Joseph, through the slavery and the pit and the prison and the palace, how was it that everywhere he went, the people that was around him or in close connection to him, it was blessed beyond measure like he touched every, you know, you had the same man, it seems like whatever they touch turns to goad. It's not because their life is void of cursing. But it's more importantly because it's had a stamp of blessing from God. Slavery? What, what, what a curse. Uh-huh. Be thrown into a pit by your brethren? What a curse. Uh-huh. Being lied on by Potiphar's? What a curse. Joseph's going on, though. He's losing a few garments along the way, but his own dream is being fulfilled by the same manner. Amen. And what's happening? Let him curse. Why? Because I know I've been blessed. My birth, my birth into this world was not by happenstance. My mama was a barren womb. I know that I'm blessed of God. I know the fingerprints of the Lord are upon me. So you just go on and let them take me to the next prison, the next pit, the next hardship, because I'm blessed of God. The devil meaning it for my bad, but God for my good. You'll stand with me this morning. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. Oh, I've tried to, I've tried to do it. <clears throat> I've tried to be the hitman for God. <clears throat> I'm like a kingdom mercenary. I got it, Lord. <laughs> Trust me with it. I'll get the job done. Vengeance doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the Lord. There's a great trust factor that has to be put into place there. <clears throat> doesn't keep me from maybe praying sometimes like praying. 
God let all their own foolishness and iniquity just fall smack dab on their own heads. You read Psalms 109. He's pretty bold. He's very bold in Psalms 109. But he didn't lift the finger. He was just asking God, if you'll just lift your finger just to show that you are who you say you are. God. And don't let the blessing you placed on my life be in vain. Don't let these curses supersede the blessing you've positioned upon my life. We bow our heads in this place this morning. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.